welcome to another episode of the Lost Geeks podcast. I'm your host, the Doc. And I'm JT. And today we were discussing fantasy classes and roles. Whether you strap on your plate armor in preparation of delving into the trenches of physical combat, or launch volleys of arrows as you dart around the battlefield, do you roll up your sleeves and conjure powerful swells of magical energy to obliterate your opposition from afar? Or perhaps you want to mix it up a bit and combine both magical and physical combat to maximize your effectiveness in battle. Regardless of the path you choose, a fantasy class is your gateway to the realm beyond reality and your path to greatness, whether in glorious victory or in tragic death. Your class defines the role you will play for better in advantages gained or for worse in limitations suffered. Your party synergy will define your fate. So remember to choose wisely, plan accordingly, and heed our words as we begin this discussion. What if I just want to steal gold from my enemies and friends? Then you are a poor player and should rethink your life. <laughs> so the class system has been done in many different ways. And there's not only there's, you know, you have your classes, subclasses, categories, but from what I had found online is the original class system did kind of come from Dungeons and Dragons, from what I had was a beginning. And they actually originally only had three classes, the fighting man, the magic user, and the cleric, <laughs> which I thought that was kind of interesting, the, the fighting man. The magic user was kind of funny to me as well. It's just like, oh, yes, he uses magic. It's a magician, actually. Yeah, that, that is funny to think of, just uh, the decisions you had to make back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, you only have three to choose. Or what if you had a group? I guess it would be if you had a group of six, you wouldn't have to worry about people doubling up. You would just, you'd have to. <laughs> yeah, at that point, yeah. Guess they I'll did play that uh, fight, man. <laughs> they they did later add a thief and a ranger were the next well, two good. classes they added. So I, don't, I wonder and, if that was uh, player feedback on that one. Yeah, and I wonder, getting player feedback back then would have been kind of difficult, I would think, just, you know, without the internet. Now it's so easy to get feedback. Yeah. You'd have to be really hands-on, like a lot of organized events where you could get everybody in a room playing. Do you think you had much homebrew back then as well? I mean, since the game was fairly new, I don't know if you would have seen as much homebrew type stuff. Maybe not right in the beginning as everybody was learning the game, but I would imagine Pretty over the quickly, course yeah. of maybe a few campaigns, the, the DM and players would be like, you know what, let's do this instead. So let's get into the different classes. We are going to give a little bit of a brief description of some of these. And I know most of you that are experienced RPG players, whether it be tabletop or video games, are going to be kind of familiar with all of these. But we just kind of wanted to give a very basic summary of some of them i think we were going to start off with the melee classes uh you have your typical paladin not typical paladin but they tend to be more i would say they lean more towards the lawful good they typically have a divinity they follow in a certain code of mm -hmm. honor uh just to briefly mention the counter class to that there is kind of the death knight which also typically follow a code of honor but it, they tend to be more evil lawful evil i believe so yeah. they're, they've been done differently in different games, of course, but kind of the, definitely following the divinity is part of the thing. So, 
Yeah, and you've got your more edgy paladins that do walk a fine line between mm-hmm. their their standards and their actions and 5e you have nature paladins and obviously in, in video games you look at a game like world of warcraft they do paladins i think pretty differently uh, there is staple and fantasies yeah, yeah. That was, uh, it wasn't my first D&D character. The first campaign that I played to an extent that was what I played. I played a dwarf paladin, so. I think my first was that half-orc paladin. So Yeah, I did play a one-shot. I did play a one-shot before that. I, I, I can't have this before in our first session. I don't really remember what I played then. It was, I know it was a pre-made class. It was probably some kind of a fighter. That tends to be what I gravitate towards, but. So, besides that, you have your barbarians, and. Uh, we kind of talk about them they you think of them as like low intellect but they smash stuff <laughs> but that, you and i don't really always like that just because just because they're not high intellect they're maybe not going to be solving all the puzzles but it's not like they're going to be idiots either yeah exactly and i definitely don't see desco <laughs> that way either and i think it really narrows the role play experience and options you have for barbarians if you just chuck them into that oh well i'm just a guy with my finger up my nose and scratching my butt <laughs> obviously how many times do you see that in campaigns though where you know they can't read or write they're very primitive and you know tend to be the leroy jenkins type there really is nothing characters wrong playing them that way but i don't think they should have to be played that way necessarily yeah and like i was saying desco can read he can write he can <laughs> obviously carry on intelligent conversations. And I think you'd brought up like expertise in combat, you know, have, yeah. combat and having that combat intelligence. And just to make kind of like a quick comparison is like Goku and Dragon Ball Z, where <laughs> he's very oblivious to a lot of things outside martial arts. But when he gets martial arts, he's very intelligent. I, it's funny you bring him up. I was actually going to bring up Luffy because and he he's an even better example because he I mean he is minus his combat intelligence. I mean he is truly just dumb outside because I mean it just and they bring that up in the show many times. It just his intelligence level is not there, but he is going to run head first in any fight. So same as Goku, but uh, Goku, from what I understand, inspired Luffy. So. That's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> it makes um, sense well, now, though. But well, I, I I will say inspired because the guy who I believe wrote One Piece like grew up watching Dragon Ball Z, so it's definitely like oh, he sees yeah, him definitely. as like kind of an idol. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that he like they're definitely two entirely different characters, but you can definitely tell the personalities are kind of similar because of the and. I don't know if you know this, there's actually a Dragon Ball Z and One Piece crossover episode. And it <laughs> I, was, is, yeah. I was just about to say, if there was a crossover, they'd get along. <laughs> uh, there is, and it's actually really funny. They, they One part, there's like a huge feast, and they're all getting ready to fight over the food, because they're just sitting there. <laughs> you know how they, they both have that same thing, where they'll just eat, till they're like <laughs> huge and, you know, just a big round... <laughs> ball but and there was another character in the crossover toriko i think is the name and i hate to say i haven't watched much of that anime but he's in it as well it is kind of interesting but (laughs) sorry get off topic there can't resist talking about one piece and dragon ball z though a little bit but you could also characterize both 
Goku and Luffy as fighters, though, I think. And that's the next one I wanted <laughs> to talk about a little bit. The fighter tends to be, they're similar to barbarians, but I always think of them as being a tad more versatile. In D&D &D mm -hmm. especially, you can build them as a ranger if you wanted to, like a more ranged attack. In fact, supposedly from what I've read, it's easier to build a fighter into a ranger than it is to actually play the ranger class. So, <laughs> yeah, and typically, even if you're even playing Desco with barbarians, you're still looking at smashing things, basically mm. a Hulk smash. Whereas fighters, you're more sophisticated. You're using weapons, armor, techniques to gain Maneuvers, advantage. Yeah. yeah, to gain that advantage in battle. And usually they, they're your soldiers turn adventurer. So they've got that background. They've got that training. They're not, I usually see them as keeping their cool more, but you can definitely build a more ragey fighter. I think that's, <laughs> and that's kind of the fun of D&D is there are within the subclasses kind of these crossovers where you can have a more tactile barbarian or your more rage oriented fighter and that I think I think is there's very a battle inspiring. Is it the battle master or like a gladiator mm -hmm. type class where basically it's you get crits on like 19s I think and it, just it's built to be more of like you said that brawler as opposed to the more uh, tactical. Yeah, it's a champion, champion right, of fighter, champion. and then yeah, at the kind of the late levels, you can strike crits on eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. So that's really really nice. Yeah, I wish, and then wish barbarians had that. <laughs> it is really nice because I actually have that as my fighter, even though I'm not that, but it comes from a tattoo. <laughs> you have to let more just get, but. So then I think we wanted to talk about World of Warcraft has the fighter or not the fighter, the warrior class, which kind of mm -hmm. rolls that all up into one. You can, you know, you can build it more as a tank, the berserker or the arms. It's, it just kind of depends on the route you really want to go with that. It, 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 that's kind of a good comparison. It's just a mix of those. Then you have your rogues, shady creatures that they are. And you think of them kind of being more of the, well, they're both of their parents died tragically when they were young. <laughs> yeah, they're they're your typical like edgelord player types, right? Like, I'm going to play <laughs> this dark brooding figure standing in the corner. Although we have one in our campaign, Nithis, who he mm -hmm. plays his completely different though. So you, you really don't have to get stuck into these stereotypes, but it just, we kind of wanted to describe what the basics were. Yeah. And that was one of the newer subclasses for rogues, the scout, which allows you to take more of a ranger to the rogue instead of having to go assassin or thief. Mm -hmm. you, you can still kind of, well, I like, the abilities the rogue has, but I don't really want to be a thief or an assassin. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a much needed and really good crossover. And even players in our campaign, the newer ones that join, I think they questioned several times, like, is he a rogue or a ranger? Like, the, I've had to answer that question a couple of <laughs> times because he does play like a ranger. Mm -hmm. He does have his, I mean, rogue elements where he'll like disappear and reappear with the cloak of cloak of shadows. Right. Mm -hmm. Not yeah and then you have your thief which is very similar of course except you think of them as being more of a <laughs> thief exactly that but it's kind of similar to a rogue i guess you would say so as we got here our hunters that's and i guess you could see them as a ranger too the 
World of Warcraft hunters tend to be more, you have your pet, that's your kind of defining feature. Yeah, and then d and is kind of equivalent, of, or the equivalent to D&D is the ranger. Mm-hmm. But they don't focus as much on, you can have a pet, but that's not necessarily what it has to be. Yeah, rangers have gone through several adjustments in d and I don't know if they're quite where they should be. I don't, I haven't really played one or been in a group where someone was playing to really see if they've gotten that much better but i i know that they have been lacking but yeah typical you know you have your pet and that's kind of the gimmick with them and it's been a while i haven't played well real recently but i know hunters i think did eventually get a class that you the, they weren't as reliant on the pet i don't remember was marksman something like that where it was more the, the pet really wasn't necessary but and yeah that's fine but yeah yeah just... and that was more of a recent addition is being able to not have to have the pet because for someone like me i feel like the pet ends up being the star and you're kind of your character is kind of second fiddle to the pet because if the pet goes down you're basically not doing much mm-hmm so I think that rounds out the melee classes. So we'll kind of get into the casters next. You have your typical wizards, mages, caster caster types, <laughs> the magic users. And then you have, your, well, I would talk about it together. You have the sorcerers too. And the big difference between the wizards and the sorcerers is the wizards have to learn their spells, whereas the sorcerers have their magic inherently. Yeah. Well, and that's why a lot of people choose to do wizards more often than not because you can continue to add to your spell book there's no limit there's only so many spells you can prepare in a day but you can learn as many as you find whereas sorcerers you're pretty limited on what the class kind of build out gives you that's what you get and we're going to kind of get into this a little bit more with our system but we kind of want to change it so the differentiation isn't going to necessarily matter. It'll be more, you can decide that as a player from a role-playing perspective, do you want to have that magic inherently? It's not mm-hmm. going to, our system's just going to allow you to have that versatility without getting like kind of stuck into like, oh, I'm stuck with this set of spells because I'm a sorcerer. It's going to be more for your story, backstory. Yeah, and that's all part of what we have discussed is we want to have that everything being fueled by the role-playing elements well why do you have this why do you have these powers why do you have these abilities focusing on the why and not so much well i have it because the class says i have it Mm -hmm. then you have your warlocks another shady individuals you always think of them as having kind of the summons whether it's a demon imps that sort of thing that's kind of the <laughs> the party the member everybody yeah. yeah the party member everybody question constantly questions <laughs> and that's definitely how it's playing out in my campaign <laughs> well but, when you hang out in a graveyard and make that your hotel room <laughs> yeah yeah this is true this any typically i think in D D, especially they usually worship kind of these more evil they get their power from their <laughs> like the elder gods that they follow yep eldritch gods or divine dark divine beings ancient beings yeah and i think so then you have your kind of your more the light side of that is the cleric or priest and i know we've been talking about D and wow a lot a lot of games have different variations of these but you typically think of them as being more of a healing class D does allow you to play it as 
you, you can wear plate and be more of a front lines brawler if you wanted to like a battle priest but uh world of warcraft of course takes more of the clothy healing role but you can be a shadow priest too i guess but that's a little different yeah definitely focus more on just making priests more caster based and then the clerics you can definitely play a cleric in DD a lot more just i'm gonna be a full-on caster or you can mix it up varying levels of melee if you want to going all the way up to being able to you know march on the battlefield and plate armor and a heavy weapon and be fighting and casting spells (laughs) unfortunately i think clerics only get one attack action so you they are limited when so don't be too sad when you see the other melee fighters getting multiple attacks (laughs) and then you usually have to decide am i gonna cast a spell with my action or am i gonna make a physical attack against something my favorite my favorite cleric of all time is the tempest cleric because you're you're basically playing thor you get fly towards the end of it (laughs) i thought you were gonna say your favorite like cleric from like popular media and i was thinking of friar tuck and (laughs) in the animated robin like the one where he is fighting the sheriff of nottingham and like bashing him with his staff and (laughs) pretty much beating him up until the the vulture comes and like puts the thing around his like grabs his hood but <laughs> uh, a classic <laughs> yeah it was, i had to show my daughter that one sometime soon i don't think she's sat and watched it all the way through yet but anyway we have the what else we got the bard the bard we can't forget about him oh, favorite Fav- in in any group <laughs> mostly just because of just the randomness they bring to the table on I don't know if it's just when someone says they're going to play a bard if that's just their personality or just the class of bard meets their own and you depending on the situation you could get some really dynamic plays and I've definitely seen the bard be MVP in many campaigns whether it's pulling out you know, a clutch, you know, spell or counter spell to completely turn the battle on its head. I've also seen a bard completely like keep a whole mass of fighters busy while the rest of the group was doing something else, just completely solo. And they can do some pretty amazing stuff. You've got, yeah, just polymorph, having access to polymorph and... (laughs) really the fun things you can do with that spells they have access to is just very creative there's a lot of different ways and i think to play a bard you do have to be creative you do have to create access that creative side well i think that's why they're more they fit better in a tabletop role-playing situation than a video game because you don't see them in video Mm -hmm. games that much but that's because a lot of the fun comes from the role-play part as in a video game it doesn't always translate well because I don't know. I, I I can't think of any games that you actually play a bard in. <laughs> I could name one right now. <laughs> that's about it. And <laughs> that's Lord of the Rings Online. You can. I know they they have a bard class. Do they heal in that? Do you know? Do you I I, I think they're more support. They're they're basically just a full on support 
I never played one. I wasn't that interested. So <laughs> I'd have to, we'd have to ask someone else who's played it. <laughs> League of Legends. Play. Well, it's not a role-playing game, but in League of Legends, I think there are some characters that are bar. I know there is a bard character, but I think she's basically just a healer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's unfortunate when you see a lot of, in video games, bards get relegated to just kind of this healer role. Yeah, of course, in League of Legends, it just there's not any role. We role well, at least there's not any role playing any lobbies I've ever been in. But. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're going to be playing a bard, be prepared to not make any big splashes with powerful spells or powerful melee stands. You're you're there for support in pulling out clutch maneuvers when it when it calls for it and seducing the big bad. Yep, and that that's always the fun bit right <laughs> i think that's why people play them is just the, the comedy of that but <laughs> or when they make a fart joke during the big bad giving his like final speech <laughs> uh, what else we got druids don't do that burn yeah don't do yeah please don't ruin the <laughs> big bad in the middle of his speech and like <laughs> so you got your druids as well another caster type they typically think of them as more naturey the tree hugging hippies that they are and Turn into animals in a lot of the versions, casters as well. Yeah, and definitely D&D has the casting and more melee versions, and World of Warcraft has casting and melee versions, but they are very different. Like yeah, the way the Yeah, you can sit there and say, oh, well, they're the same. They turn into animals, but it's very, it, it, they are very different in how they play, and that's really just it goes into the lore and background of what how those classes exist in each setting but definitely you can see even similar classes can be done very differently mm-hmm. and i know we're using world of warcraft and D a lot i think at least personally that's what i have the most experience with and, and there's definitely i mean i, I briefly was going to bring up say diablo 2 i think the paladins and that are quite a bit different too because i think isn't mm-hmm. the paladin one that lets you bring like zombies up, which is kind of weird? I could Ready be stay. wrong on that, I, but I'm pretty sure it's the paladin oh. in Diablo 2 that you can bring up the zombies with. I'm probably gonna get if I'm if I'm wrong, definitely please correct me. I'll have to go look that up. But yeah, I want to look it up now. It's been a while, but I, yeah. Then you have. Um, I feel like we're forgetting something. But... Uh, this probably should have gone in with more of the melee, but monks. I, I know oh yes the monks, monks the monks you uh, think of them as being more fists i guess than anything and coming in landing some mm-hmm. blows and dodging back out yeah that's definitely how you want to kind of approach monks is getting in your hits i i definitely see them being c- good in very clutch situations with a stunning strike or staying up long enough using their key to dodge or block an attack or throw out one of the many spells that they have access if you went down that subclass but definitely an interesting class and from what i've heard they're really fun i've not yet had the opportunity to play a monk yet but i wanted to play one but i never was (laughs) i I got pushed out of it because someone else wanted to play it which is fine which is fine so and then I think uh, probably get a lot of hate if we didn't mention this last this last one, but a shamans. Yep, 
I always think of them as having like the totems, but that's kind of the wow version of them. I guess they don't, D&D doesn't really have one a version of them exactly. No, not traditionally, not officially in 5e. And I think even with a lot of the new ads stuff they, they've started doing, there really hasn't been a shaman build, but there are plenty of homebrew builds out there. And they're... I've done some research and I've there's there's actually quite a few different homebrew shamans out there. There's like a totem one, there's there's more of like a voodoo type one. It, it's just it depends on I guess the flavor that you want to have for your campaign, whether or not you even want to make that class available to your players, but definitely they I think they are viable and a lot of fun. And I, one of my favorite, one of my favorites in World of Warcraft, I, I really like the shaman class. I do have to correct myself real quick with Diablo 2. It is the, there is a necro, it is the necromancer that can bring up skeletons. I was, I don't think I ever played any of the like extra classes that they added, like the expansion classes. So I was like, I know there was one that could bring up skeletons and they could fight for you. I was like, for some reason I was thinking it was a paladin because I always remember it being kind of weird. I'm trying to think how you could do that in a game. Maybe you just have the paladin. He just, when he, (laughs) he brings them back as like saved souls and uses the, I don't know. (laughs) You'd have to get kind of creative, I guess. In Warcraft three, didn't the paladins have a spell like that i know it was there was a class in one of those games where they'd raise them but they'd only last for a few seconds and then they'd disappear yeah i'd have to sit here and look it up again i don't know and if it was I, warcraft <laughs> no you're warcraft right there too is there no there definitely is one where they can bring them back and it i don't know i could i could say it, but i would probably be wrong again but I, it, well i know in warcraft 3 there were when the paladin it was like rebirth and it was if they were all the units that had recently died get brought back up but i know i think it was an older version where they would get brought back up but they'd be like wraiths and they'd fight for a little bit before disappearing that would be that would be kind of an interesting concept i actually really like that the idea of a paladin being able to raise the spirits of those that had just died to kind of exact their final vengeance yeah, that would be an inter- that's a way you could definitely do it. So we kind of got now. Nah, I think that covers most of the classes. If there is something we forget, we apologize. If it's your favorite class, we tried to include most of the main ones. There are definitely subclasses, and I'm sure there's other settings that there's different things out there. And well, I, and then I mean, there's we a, get, like gunslingers, yeah, blood hunters, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of subclass ones. There's a lot of homebrew ones. These are just kind of the core kind of standard ones that you see as, I would say, a starting point. But each of these classes usually takes up a role. Mm -hmm. And these roles, they can have several roles or maybe they just do one role, but they do that one role really well. But if we can get into these here really quick so yep you have your yeah your tanks and your your tanks yeah Yeah. and that's i typically like to play the tanky classes especially in video games but you always think of the tank it's kind of holding the damage they typically have a lot of taunt spells they typically have a lot of health shield that sort of thing or ways to negate some of the Mm -hmm. damage and you think of them as taking that off tanks similar but they're usually kind of supporting whoever the main tank would be they're able to absorb a little bit of the damage to give the tank a break 
and kind of also maybe maneuvering the other the tanks tend to not be as mobile and i realize this is just very general but the off tanks sometimes have a little bit more mobility to move around and they exist in overwatch too in that game the tanks and off tanks are very interesting because mm-hmm. the the main tanks a lot of them tend to have shields whereas the off tanks tend to kind of be they they run with the tank but they give them more support in moving forward so you have your healers of course Yep, you have your primary healers and your backup healers. And their job is pretty self-explanatory. You sit back and make sure everybody stays alive. And don't Which, die yourself. <laughs> yeah, keeping yourself alive and not getting a lot of attention. Watch the effing tail! <laughs> Everyone remembers the Anixia raid video. Oh, it's, it's a classic. And then you have kind of the fan favorite dps and for those who don't know damage per second usually they're going to be your classes that just crank out the damage can i just use this as an opportunity to make a comment and i was having this discussion with somebody the other day just in video games in general we were talking about tanking healing versus dps and i think tanking is the most challenging to do and it's one of those that it takes a lot of work and it's very and very seldom is the good work appreciated but if you mess up you're always going to take the blame for stuff and then Mm -hmm. i think healing comes next because you're really having to pay attention to a lot of health bars but keep yourself out of trouble and depending on the game manage your mana and i'm not saying dps is easy and i'm this is not meant to pick on dps players i do i think dpsing that's why so many and i think you can just see this that's why so many people do it in games because it tends to be you're less likely to get yelled at is than you are in the other roles. Although, and I'm speaking from the basis of World of Warcraft when I say this, uh, DPSing, you do have to listen. Mm-hmm. And that's really the biggest, and I agree with you completely, the biggest thing you have to do as a DPS is listen. Mm-hmm. If your tank or your party lead is telling you to stop DPSing because you're going to pull aggro off the tank, you need to be paying attention and not thinking of like, oh, I've got to get my numbers up. And I know we've been in many situations where that's been an issue, especially me where I'll I'll be like, okay, I'm laying off DPSing. I'm going to back off a bit. And then they pull up the little number sheet and be like, oh man, you suck because you, well, and- your DPS isn't where it should be. And I definitely, I'm not, I guess I don't really bring it up to talk. It's not really meant to talk down on DPS. It's more to kind of ask DPS. I don't understand where DPS get off bad mouthing tanks all the time. And and I don't get me wrong. There are bad tanks out there. But the problem is, I remember when I was first playing, it was always very just like when I first started playing WoW and had my first chance to be a tank, it was always very discouraging when you're trying to learn and become a tank and you have people yelling at you and it's like why would i want to do that when i'm getting yelled at and it's it's just much more helpful because you know the people that are yelling at you typically don't know how to tank themselves and i was telling somebody this person i was discussing this with that when i first started doing in-game dungeons in world of warcraft i didn't know how to tank i didn't know what it was i went in as a warrior and i got stuck tanking because it just like i was the plateware and i wasn't built to tank and i had no idea i just went in and did damage and we would we would wipe a lot of time very seldom did we get through and one time i got i think it was a warlock 
And he just gave me some very basic pointers. And it and I know this is going to sound silly, but this is like early vanilla. You got to mm-hmm. use the Sunder Armors because it gets aggro. And he kind of explained to me the concept of aggro and how it works. And it's like, you're the tank. You're not supposed to be doing DPS. Your DPS is done to hold the stuff on you. And it was just like, after he explained it to me, it all clicked. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. And then it just made so much more sense. But instead of yelling at me, like, you're an idiot and have no idea what you're doing, he gave me some pointers and it turned me into someone who now, any game I play, I typically go towards the tank role. But that being said, even an experienced tank, I I tell you, even when I play games every once in a while, I'll still get yelled at for something. But it also, and like I said, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here just because this is kind of like a pet peeve of mine. It's easy to sit here and yell at a tank, but in some games, the tank can actually be doing what he's supposed to be doing, but no one else <laughs> is following what the tank's, like following the tank's lead and following along. So I, I just had that experience somewhat recently in Overwatch where I was playing, and it happens quite often, where I was playing Reinhardt and I'm doing what you're supposed to do at the higher levels of play, but in the lower levels, the DPS don't really realize how the kind of the metagame is supposed to work. So even though you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, no one else is. And it's like, why are you doing like they're yelling at you for being like too aggressive? And it's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And you're supposed to be supporting me doing this. But as I'm sorry for the rant. I just. <laughs> no, and I think it brings up a good point that everybody really needs to really take a long look at and that's fostering a good gaming community Mm -hmm. and environment it's easy to get angry and throw blame at somebody else but even when you know some of the stories you told me about playing vermintide it only takes a few moments to show someone a better way of moving forward and that not only helps them, but it helps you and it helps all the future groups that that individual's going to be with. And whether, I mean, and I know life is life, you know, you have a bad day, but really we're all here to have fun. We're all here to escape the stresses of the day. Just take a moment, breathe, count to 10 and try to try to work through Especially, and I and I can speak for you because I know you. I know that you're not going to be a person who's going to take major offense and get very defensive and come out and start bad mouthing and kind of turn them away. That's kind of the flip side. If you do that, then mm-hmm. it, both both sides have to be willing to make that <laughs> leap. And I won't claim I won't claim complete innocence, but I usually keep my comments to myself. That's the difference is because it is easy to get frustrated when you're losing, especially competitive. I mean, I'm a competitive person, so if I'm losing, I'm I'm typically not going to be happy, but I I don't usually take it out on other players because I just think that brings the mood down. It it, it really does. Well, and I think we've had examples of once that mood gets dropped, everyone pretty much st- starts playing worse. And I've seen that in many dungeon runs of, you Mm -hmm. know, if you fail and fail and everybody starts yelling at each other and you might as well just call it a night. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not going anywhere. People start messing up on things that you're just scratching your head. Like, how are we even messing this up right now? (laughs) Well, and 
I know we're a little off topic here. We can wrap it up with this. I would, lo- I would actually love to do a whole session on this. You can just listen to me rant about tanking <laughs> and off heels. But uh, talking about and morale can even happen in D and D. We had briefly mentioned we had that issue one time. But mm-hmm. uh, one of my siblings tends to be uh, it, one of the biggest battles in the gaming's get playing games with him. And we tend to play a lot of shooters together. Is if we start to lose. I know his attitude gets pretty harsh and he'll, he is one of the people that will start bad mouthing other players. And I've kind of just, this is a more recent thing with me. As soon as that starts happening, I'm usually done for the night because I already know it puts me, even if I'm not the one he's directing it at, it just, it still brings my mood down. And I'm just, I've just decided now, as soon as that starts happening, I'm done for the night. Cause I just, I don't see any reason to sit because my experience has been once that, attitude starts it just is loss after loss and it's like okay i'm good so (laughs) well it just starts the chain reaction if you're going to come out and be super aggressive at someone they're not going to sit there and be like oh yeah you're right okay you know you're going to get met with equal or greater (laughs) aggression that's just how life works and so when you have someone who's going to get hot-headed pretty quick and they're going to just things are going to come out even if they're not really meaning it you never know who's on the other side of that mic who's taking it personally Mm -hmm. and that's the thing they may have had a bad day too and maybe and there's matches certainly like competitively i'm not and even dnd i'm not always on my a game and sitting there and getting mad at somebody isn't going to help and that's i guess the point i'm trying to get across with this isn't that one rolls harder one rolls easier it really wasn't meant to be that it's just if you do have somebody that's trying you never know when that tank is trying to learn how to tank and they're trying to practice and you could give them some friendly encouragement or some pointers it's much more helpful than just getting on them and being rude to them and that's really the message i wanted to get across with this not so much to like say this is hard this is easy just everyone should be able to play and have fun and just kind of remember that it is easy to get frustrated but just Mm -hmm. keep it to yourself (laughs) just keep it to yourself yeah, kind of rolling with our discussion here. DPS has gotten a lot easier. I I played a mage, and in the early days of WoW, I remember your role as DPS was as a mage was a lot more complex because there were certain boss fights where you had to remove curse. Mm-hmm. And you had to be watching for when that popped, because if you didn't hit it, you would get yelled at. I miss DPS having more a more complex role in combat. I feel it adds a lot more depth to the gameplay rather than making the classes so rigid. I believe that brings us to the next part of this, which is why class mechanics have been designed this way and the purpose of that. Well, I and, think it was well, yeah. I, yeah, I think it was designed to kind of give players an idea of what to expect to, to do when they jumped into a game. You know, you kind of knew if you were going to be playing more of a tank, a support, or a you know, you want to be a damage dealer. I, I guess it was kind of to categorize the different classes. Yeah, and that kind of 
rolled in with a thought process of every class must have something they excel at and something that, well, let's be honest, that they're awful or just mm-hmm. can't do, or they're just not great at to create that balance. So players utilize their strengths to overcome the different challenges, yada, yada, you know, we're all special with a special role to play. <laughs> and I know that may sound a bit harsh. I feel a little bit like Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> fine, fine. We're all here. A bunch of yeah. special snowflakes ready to fulfill our emotional needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I know some games try to differentiate the roles, or not really differentiate them, but give you options of doing multiple things. But I just find it never really works out that well because what ends up happening is you're still like you might be doing DPS, but you're still you're still a healer at heart and, it, and it, you can tell you're designed to be a healer and it's not very satisfying because the healing is kind of like a side role for you or it, you're the DPS is kind of, you're doing that, but you can, you can tell you're still a healer at heart. Yeah. Or mage class where all of your options are DPS. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no other option. You can't tank. But And it is true, as players, we've desperately held on to this concept of everyone staying in their lane because I and everyone else at the table needs to feel special. We need to feel like we're needed. And not to say anything against that, I know that people have gotten in, I've seen people get into fights over this very topic, this very concept Uh, Which is why a good DM will usually try to move players into different classes so that they're not sharing the limelight. Though if if it is done correctly, it can be done, but you really need to make sure the characters are very different. And that kind of falls on the player and the DM to help facilitate that. Uh, I think like clerics and paladins that works really well for because depending on the deity you have, that can really flavor your class. I think it's okay to have the different roles. I, I don't have a problem with it necessarily, but I don't know. Sometimes it's if you're healing, I know can be kind of rough because it always kind of gets the short end of the stick. Because and I know some people who do like to heal. I don't. I'm not trying to say everyone dislikes it, but it seems like healers. It's just they're kind of same as the tanks, kind of the unsung heroes of things. Yeah, and this is really the purpose and, and of why these classes have developed is to create that balance and it's just speaking for myself I don't know about you but I I see why that has worked and why it's been kind of in the industry for so long but part of me is also feeling starting to feel really restricted by it well and it gets kind of frustrated it's frustrating when you get pushed into those roles and I think I had mentioned earlier that I, I know I had mentioned earlier because I went on my little rant, but about always getting stuck tanking because it just seems like no one else really wants to do it. And I do typically enjoy tanking, but I always feel like it does get irritating getting forced to do it. And honestly, that's a little bit what happened in your campaign because I actually intended to build Bordis quite differently, <laughs> but I, I, I got stuck turning him into a tank, which is fine. It's really, it's worked out okay, but if you recall, number one, there was other classes I wanted to play, but I kind of let other people pick them instead because I wanted to get them excited about it and none of them had gotten to play before. 
And that wasn't that big of a deal. But then I could just tell as we were kind of getting into combats, I just was like, if I go the straight up DPS route, I want to, these encounters are going to be very difficult. And I, I do, like I said, it's ended up being fine. But in the moment, I remember actually being really frustrated with that because I was wanting to do, I believe it was the oh, the one that gets you critting on the 19 and 20 um, Mm-hmm. it's i want to say i can't i want to say champion i don't think that's it though or is it champion because ba- battle master yeah. yeah champion i th- I think you're playing a battle master but yeah. yeah well and i ended up going into battle master because i wanted the maneuvers because i thought for mm-hmm. the tanking it would make more sense but i remember kind of that was a frustrating moment for me because i didn't get to kind of pick I, not only did i have to pick a class i wasn't really at the time wanting to play and i i want to actually get a little more in I, we're, we should get into that a little bit later but i was going to talk about my issues I had with the fighter class when we first started this might be a good time to throw that in here but so when we had started playing and it kind of looked like I was going to be like stuck playing the fighter I wasn't very happy about that because I didn't really care that much for the fighter class and my reasoning behind it I think was just because we get into this so idea of these rigid classes of Mm -hmm. you know you have your paladins you have this and i wanted that role of like and it's like when i remember thinking of the fighter it's like well what is the fighter he doesn't he's not a ranger he's not a paladin he doesn't have it's just a fighter now that being said after having played and this was my inexperience with the fighter but having played one i realized they actually have the most freedom of any of them which is now i've come to love the fighter class because you can do whatever you want with them (laughs) because the story is more open. They're not a paladin. So it's like, it actually ended up kind of being later on a great thing that I got to play the fighter because it allowed me that flexibility to do what I wanted to, because it is the fighter. But initially I was a little bit like the fighter. I don't want to be the fighter. I want to be like the paladin or the monk. Yeah. And D and D they, this class really is kind of the Swiss army knife out of the bunch. You can do quite a bit. You can focus on so many, you can really get the flavoring I feel with the fighter class that, and that's why I think I've played the fighter class so much when I'm in other games as a player, I tend to find myself going to that, but each of the fighters I've done have been completely different. Mm -hmm. And that's like three different fighters so you you really can find a lot and and i do like that again the rest of the group is going to see you as fulfilling a certain role and i feel like this has even happened a bit with desco in your campaign Mm -hmm. where i had a much different idea of the way i was going to play him i was going to have him just and he is all of these things but i've i was going to make him very mobile you know go in hit you know, just bouncing around the battlefield and because he has the gliding ability or kind of (laughs) flight, but you were meant to kind of move around the battlefield and help where he was needed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Same, same as me kind of, unfortunately. Yeah. I ended up feeling like, Oh, well now I'm kind of glued to a spot. So when combat starts, I basically locate biggest threat, occupy biggest threat <laughs> mm-hmm. and yes. it does work well for you but i know i understand your frustration because that's kind of what ended up happening to bordis it was you just you basically took on the tank role because you had to and i know we had rufus who was a paladin and he did have a sword and shield although rest i so <laughs> yeah rest in peace 
Rufus. Not yet. He's not resting in peace yet. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, by the hopefully. end of the campaign, he will get to rest in peace. Hopefully, eventually, he will rest in peace. <laughs> uh, and then I think uh, originally out of the group, those were our only melee. We had a monk, we had a warlock, and a cleric. Uh, but the cleric was built more for casting, not mm-hmm. really to be a, a melee individual. So. Yeah, you you end up getting into these roles and with a barbarian, I feel like you're kind of, and this is why I talked to you about this, I, they're kind of easy to play. It's hit smash. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of battle maneuvers, but again, you can get that same feeling if you play a champion fighter, just you have different perks with that. And for the barbarian, it's just, that's your path you go down. And you do get varying perks, but it's just while I'm trying to run my campaign and do all this side stuff, it was just an easy class to be able to pick up and at least mechanically play it on the battlefield. And I, now, and I do think the fighters yeah. tend, and barbarians do tend, the melee classes in general do tend to be a little easier because there's not as many spells, at least in the tabletop. Obviously, when you're talking WoW and such, there's just as many things to be clicking on but, or hotkeying, whatever you... <laughs> yeah, so the classes I do think work in the extent that they do force people to fulfill a certain role even if you have a different idea of how you want to play it, you're, you're always going to be seen as playing a particular role. I mean, the second you sit there and say, oh, I'm going to play a cleric and in D and D there's so many subclasses, which can greatly change how your cleric mm-hmm. is played. People are always going to be like, Oh, you're doing healing. Awesome. And it's like, well, no, not, not really. I'm not that kind of cleric. <laughs> Well, and I think we could give some specific examples of, and I know we talked about several games that there was issues we had with World of Warcraft being the big one we talk about just because we both have spent quite a bit of time in there. But there's a few others I know we wanted to discuss as well. But one, the biggest issue with WoW, I think, what, there, there's a lot of issues, but one of the issues with the classes was most of the versions weren't really viable in raids that was kind of a big issue is if you wanted to do top DPS, which if you were going in as a DPS, you were expected to do, you weren't going to, and I, I, this may have changed from, I realize uh, patch to patch, but typically you weren't, if you, you weren't going to be a frost mage in the dungeon because the frost mages were meant for more crowd control. So you were always mm-hmm. going to have to go in with a fire mage and you had a very specific build you had to do. There was websites devoted to it. This is the build you do. This is your rotation. And there was no room for doing anything different if you wanted to be high up on the boards. Yeah, meta builds. Meta yeah. builds. That's I believe that's a term of what we call mm-hmm. the stand what's become standardized for competitive play. Well, and same thing with PvP. There was there was a way to build your class mm-hmm. for pvp and if you wanted to be competitive that was the way you'd better build it well and even to that extent there was certain combos for like 2v2s and 3v3 and 5 i didn't do too many of the 5v5s but there was certain combinations that were far superior and i know balancing pvp in a game like that is probably very challenging but that aside i remember is like this is the combo this is the combo that wins so you almost got forced to play a certain class if you wanted to be really good in pvp and there was exceptions to that. And that's, I'm talking arenas strictly, but 
and it would change of course patch to or yeah patch to patch but <laughs> for the most part there would be something that would, and even in the pve world there was things that were extremely overpowered in certain patches and it was like nothing else could even compete with them <laughs> just why is this so unbalanced well and that was kind of the running joke with world of warcraft is class of the month or what a class of every four months or however often they did the updates it just seemed like oh no, another big update came out oh this class is popular now and everybody'd rush to that class and where you know if you were playing your class you'd be like oh what happened i was doing so well yeah and that was the biggest thing and i i played a warrior mostly when it came to that and i did tank typically i did do a rogue as a dps for quite a while but it was always the same thing you had your exact rotation you used and that and i don't it could be good and bad depending on how you look at it i mean it was safe and it just you kind of but you did kind of get forced to do that i would rather see the game focus on being able to get the mechanics down really well but have there be a wider variety of what you could do dps and still be viable yeah and the classes are just very rigid and i would say kind of the other issue i had with world of warcraft was class fantasy it seems like they would cater to some play styles and then would completely neglect others part of the reason i over i will say a great deal of time i kind of fell out of the game was I just, what I wanted to play wasn't there. They kept cutting things out and adding things back in. They say, oh, well, we changed it so people could play this fantasy class. And and that's was a big problem for me. It's is just the constant changing of classes. I don't think that, well, I will, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but I didn't have as much of an issue with that, but that also, there was at one point where I had like one of every class max level. So I had <laughs> such a variety of stuff to choose from. It was just, I could go pick what flavor I was wanting to play. And that being said, I typically did play all of them a decent amount. I didn't raid with all of them, but I usually had like two or three characters I would and this was when raid finder was a thing so it's not like you actually had to be in the you know you could just run through and get the basic stuff but I would typically do the raids on one or two characters I had a pvp character and then I had characters I would do dailies on because they were easier and I played way way too much I can admit that but <laughs> luckily I was at a point in my life where I just I didn't really have the responsibility so it didn't really hurt anything other than my social life but well, you have a social life on there too. It just, it was a video game social life. The drama was real. Oh, the drama was real. <laughs> we could, I could talk about the drama and that. I would, I would just give me this little <laughs> divergent thing here. Do you, it was so odd in that too, because you have a game with people of all different ages playing and trying to coordinate them, not only on schedules, but on personalities. And, when you have high school kids interacting with like 40 and 50 year old adults, it can get very interesting and open the door for a lot of drama. And a lot of the drama was age related. It, it really was because you'd have like the younger ki high school kids who just didn't care about the commitments to, you know, they just wouldn't show up for the raid. And I, mm -hmm. same way we always say you have stuff you're doing, but in that game, it, I mean, it kind of does become a job. You need everyone there for the raid. Although, that being said, some of the adults we played with threw just as big of temper tantrums as anybody else. So, 
I remember, and I could I could talk forever about that. I got stuck leading the guild on there for a while, and that was absolutely horrendous. It it was a job. It was a job. When we I've told you this before, but when we were raiding, mm-hmm. I would have people messaging me the entire raid, having conversations with me. It was just like you would have five or six people trying to have conversations with you in the middle of the raid, or someone was bickering with somebody, so they would be messaging you about they did this. Oh, he's going to roll on that, and it was just this is insanity. <laughs> this is insanity. It was it was absolutely terrible, and I didn't have what it took to run the guild. And I will say, part of the problem was the former guild master was still in there. But of course, it was voted that I take over, and I, I don't have a problem with him. I kind of get probably why this happened. He was kind of undermining some of what was going on after he lost the guildmaster spot, and unfortunately, like other people were kind of on his side. I think it just it basically ended up splitting the guild in half when I took over. I kind of inherited a mess, and basically, the problems all restarted that we were already having. It just the change of leadership didn't matter. We would have had to actually gut out the people that were the problem and they were the core raiders. So you just, you couldn't do it. And it ended up collapsing. It actually ended up being a good thing. Cause that's kind of where I quit playing and it was kind of unlocked me from that. But <laughs> thanks for indulging me there for a second, but yeah. I would love to go into the stories about that. But Oh, well, I, re- I recall one of the times and this was after you had taken over, I started playing with you again And we were doing raids and I think a piece of gear dropped and I was going to get it. And I think someone threw this massive fit and you ended up having to give it to him because they were like threatening to leave and take everything. And (laughs) you were just like, fine. Well, yeah. And part of it was you could have, you would have gotten a lot better use out of the piece than they would have because you just, they already had the, the piece was a very small incremental improvement for them but it would have been like a massive improvement for you and the problem is we were in the situation where you needed those I think it was a it was a 20 person raid at the time it was Lich King I believe but you had to have 20 people and you wanted those 20 people to be geared up as much as possible because it made the whole thing easier so giving you a piece that's going to take you from I mean because you didn't have any raid gear and you didn't have the raid experience and I do understand from their perspective, you know, they had been there raiding. It's they felt they were entitled to it, and that's why they ended up getting it. But at the same time, it's like yeah, this it would have benefited the guild as a whole if you had gotten it. But yeah, there was that, and there was there was lots of other stuff going on behind the scenes too. That it, it's there was like I said, we could talk about this all night, but yeah, and it kind of stunk. Well, here's another thing. This actually does tie in a little with the class. The guy who was the dungeon master, he was a druid, and he was the main... Him and I were the main... Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for the Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad, that's K-N-O dot M-A-D, for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. 
and I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time, my lost geeks.